Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Bets Senior Analyst, Diamond Jeff Edelstein. And we start this week with a correction. Listeners will recall that on last week's pod, Jeff and I insisted neither of us follows college basketball at all, and I proved it during our bankroll segment by placing March Madness bets on Louisville to win and to cover against Tennessee. Just one little problem. As Andy F. pointed out on Twitter, Louisville went 4-28 and this year and didn't make the tournament, whereas Louisiana was paired with Tennessee in the first round. I had no idea I'd misread the bracket. Uh, Jeff, you didn't catch it when I said it. We even sidebarred about Purvis Ellison, completely unaware that his former team was nowhere close to making March Madness. My apologies to Purvis, to the Louisiana players, to the Louisville players, and to any listeners who come here expecting to hear a factually accurate podcast. Jeff, anyone else we need to apologize to? And uh, how's the search for a gamble on intern slash stat boy coming along? Uh, well, listen, Eric, I, I, I hate to cancel you here, but girls can be stat boys, too. So let's, <laughs> You're right. Stat let's person, stat that. child. That's right. That's right. Um, we could use a stat child. That would be pretty handy, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I'm all in, in favor of chi- child labor. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah so. no, I have no problems with it. Um, but yeah, if you think I'm ever going to fact check you on one of these things, you can forget about it. Uh, <laughs> did Louisiana win? I don't even know. I have no idea. Uh, I'll tell you this much, though. I'm, all I know is last week, quite accidentally, I was in Conti's Pizza in Princeton. Now, for those obviously who don't know, Conti's Pizza is a, uh, it's a bar and a pizzeria. It's been there for 100 years, uh, one of the landmarks of Princeton. 
when the Tiger game was on, when the, the you know the first round game was on, and there was like five people cheering. It, well, I mean, you can't even get excited about this thing, you know, in in, in Princeton. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I was with my people, I guess. I was like, all right, I, you know, I watched it. I was like, you know, I gave a few claps and yeah, uh-huh. come on, let's go. But I, you know, whatever. <laughs> so that's your March Madness anecdote. <laughs> I, yeah, that's about as that's about as good as I, that... I accidentally walked into a bar where there was a game on from the hometown team and nobody even yeah. gave a shit. Yeah, that's that's kind of surprising. A, a 15 is upsetting a two, and and even on the Princeton campus, practically nobody cares. There was a handful. I was on the campus. I mean, it was off campus, but there was a handful okay. of people there watching. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, you know, it. I guess I, there, it wasn't a rocket shot. Maybe by the time Saturday or so, whatever they played their second game rolled around, people got more excited. Because like, how excited? You know, obviously when you walk into the tournament as a 15, you're not expecting to go anywhere. So who right. knows? And I guess the serious Princeton fans and/or college basketball fans else. are yeah. right are not wandering around grabbing pizza at that hour. They're they're sat right. down in front of a TV set. So all right, I get it. But um, if you ever if you're ever in Princeton, Conti's Pizza is the place to be. That obviously. Even, uh, the, this is a recommendation for the general populace listening, not for your lactose intolerant co-host. That's correct. Okay. Um, here's here's how uh, how bad it is and how washed I am with this whole uh, Louisville, Louisiana thing. So that night I had that game on. Um, I saw the Ragin' Cajuns logo on the mm-hmm. graphic on the screen. I said to my wife, huh, guess Louisville changed their name. They used to be the Cardinals. Right. <laughs> and my wife didn't question it. Uh, perhaps she was in no mood to process whatever the hell I was saying. Uh, I, I, when we do hire an intern, boy or girl, yeah. I need I need this intern to be following me around at all hours of the day, not just while I'm working. Uh, but yeah, apparently I pay so little attention to college sports that I would sooner believe Louisville had changed its mascot in recent years and I just missed the news than to mm. stop and question why Louisville would be the raging Cajuns. Yeah, I'm reasonably certain now that we're talking about that, that uh, Louisiana did annex Kentucky in recent years, so that could explain <laughs> it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that would make sense. And so uh, culturally, they, they've uh louisville area has adopted all of the uh, cajun things okay look yeah. listen if you can have the utah jazz why can't you have That's the right. louisville range and cajuns That's right. That's uh, right. but the the important thing as we'll discuss uh, in the bankroll segment later is that my louisiana bets were a net positive for us oh good yeah us, us, us winning fake money is what matters here not my rapid mental deterioration Fate, winning fake money on wrong teams but it's all good <laughs> it still counts the fake sports book took the bet yes good. okay All right. Thank you to everyone out there for joining us for episode number 234 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 233 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Re-listen to all the old episodes immediately if you want to hear them with our factual errors included, as the intern is about to start combing through all 233 episodes to delete all factual errors from the archive. Oh, that's good. Uh, but before we do that, coming up a little bit later, we're going to be joined by Roto Grinders and Scores and Odds Insider Micah Bedard. He's going to tell us all about March Madness and learn me a thing or two about this stuff. Uh, but first, before we get to that, Eric, as always, plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We're only doing two news items this week instead of the usual three, because this first one is a very meaty story with a lot of layers to it, and it's news that Jeff was the first writer to cover, and he blew up the internet with it, at least as much as someone with Jeff Edelstein's butt and not Kim Kardashian's butt can blow up the internet. 
This is the story of Superbook host and analyst Taylor Mathis getting fired because she spoke to her sister's second grade class about March Madness and how the seating works and how there are math lessons to be found in going through a tournament bracket. Mathis insists she made no mention at all of sports betting. She posted a picture of herself with the kids and the bracket. No biggie. Except, as you later uncovered, Harry Levant, a noted anti-gambling voice, thought it was worth bringing to the attention of Superbook, as well as the Secretary of Education of the United States. And somewhere along the line, the term child grooming entered the building. Superbook told Mathis to remove the post and apologize, which she did. And then soon after, Superbook informed her she was fired. As it happens, as she told you, she already had her next gig lined up with SportsGrid and was going to be leaving a week later anyway. But the principle of the matter, fired for talking March Madness math with kids, it's mind-blowing. There are a lot of angles to discuss here, and we'll presumably hit a bunch of them over the course of this conversation. But let's start with this, Jeff. Do you view this as an isolated incident or as the beginning of a trend of companies overreacting out of fear of regulators? Uh, you know, I think it's isolated in that I doubt we're going to see a rash of sports books firing their talent for like lame ass stupid reasons. But I do think it's certainly part of a larger trend of everyone shitting their pants about online sports betting right now. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be writing about this a little bit next week. But basically, uh, right now, it's like the hysterical people are the ones at, who have a seat at the table where the more moderate voices are being like kind of shut out of the conversation. Mm. Uh, I, I think all this is just gonna get a lot worse before it gets better. You know, so I think this is a symptom of the times. You know, I can't speak for Superbook. I gave Superbook numerous opportunities to respond to the story. Uh, they didn't. So, I, I you know, I can't, I'm not going to speak to the mind of, like, the Superbook and the Superbook lawyers and what they were thinking. But, you know, they, they, they took action, obviously. It, what she did, you know, you could we could argue from now until next year about about any of it, right? But clearly getting rid of her was their way of protecting themselves is the only thing I could come up with. I, I don't even know, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, on the Superbook front and, and their decision, a couple of thoughts. One, I, I wonder if the folks there knowing her contract was up and maybe even knowing she had her next gig already and was leaving, if that made this seem like an easier solution, you know, right. sort of a fire her cause she won't mind. She's out the door anyway. I, uh, that's, again, speculation because they're not talking. But um, but I wonder if at some point soon Superbook will address this instead of continuing to ignore your requests and presumably anyone else's requests. Clearly, their strategy for now is ignore. Everyone's going to forget about it in another day or two. And maybe maybe that'll pay off. But if it does drag on, and it doesn't quickly go away. Maybe at some point they'll say something for now. They don't, they don't come off looking good. Um, and, uh, you know, look, we we like Jay Cornegay. We like John Murray. I doubt they were involved in this decision. I, I would imagine it was. This is a lawyer. Yeah, it's right. legal and corporate and all those folks. So uh, I assume I assume the, the people that we talk to regularly who actually uh, work for the sports book directly had absolutely nothing to do with this. You know, and also on Mathis's part, mm. uh, you know, I've been in the journalism business for, you know, over, over a quarter century now. Excuse me while I go perish. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can't tell you how many phone calls I would take saying, oh, I got fired for this. I got fired for that. And I'm like, all right, uh, what's your name? You know, like I, I'm interested in the story, but, you know, what's your and then I go, oh, no, I don't want my name out there, you know. And so it took like kind of pretty brass balls on her part to actually put her name to this because, you know, mm -hmm. she's 
kind of putting herself out there a little bit, but she was, she wasn't a hundred percent on board with talking. She wanted to know, like she wanted, basically wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to like, you know, rake her over the coals for it. I'm like, listen, right. you know, look at the work I've been doing, you know, on this topic. I, I, you know, I'm not going to rake you over the coals. Like, I think you're in the right, you know, but still to put her name out there and with the word fired next to her name that, you know, I think that, that, that shows something on her part. You know, she really, 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 really was upset the way this turned out. Right. You know, it wasn't even the getting fired part even that I think upset her the most. I think it, it in fact, I know it. It wasn't the getting fired that really upset her the most. It was the child grooming. Yes. And, you know, the 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 thought that she would do something, you know, it, it really you really have to be some kind of like insane person. And just to what, what to walk into a second grade classroom and talk about parlays. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. who the hell's going to do that? Like, that's insanity. You know, so like if you're if, if you're involved, you know, the message being sent here basically is that if you're involved, if you're employed by a sports book that you can't talk to children. I mean, really, right. You know, right. that that that's the implication. It's it's absurd. You yeah. Know? But th- but that's where we are right now as an industry. Ever since that piece of shit New York Times article dropped. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I want let me just sidebar because, you know, now I said that people are like, oh, you know, anti New York Times, whatever. you know, bullshit. That main bar that The New York Times wrote was a great takedown on how the lobbying industry and politicians are in bed with each other. They mm. could have written that story about any industry in America. They could have written that story about raising money for cancer patients. If a lobbyist can get a, their foot in the door with a politician, they're going to do it. And what pissed me off the most, the first the first anecdote that they had was about how some Sportsbook lobbyist was plying a Kansas lawmaker with booze and cigars, right. right? It was in Kansas. It is perfectly legal to ply a legislator with booze and cigars. Perfectly legal. 100% legal above board. Not all states allow food and drink. Kansas does. No mention of that was made in the story. It, made the, it really made the sportsbook look like evildoers here when right. the true evildoers are the lobbyists and the politicians right? and the system. Right. So I, I, I'm still like heated about that story to begin with. But ever since then, we've been d- going down this like ridiculous road of, you know, everyone so panicked, you know, about sports book ads. You know, I, I, I again, as I said, I, I got a bigger piece coming about all this next week about how hysterical it's all gotten. But this is just a symptom, really, of, of a larger issue facing the industry that I think is unfortunately going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Yeah. All right. So you hit on a, a few things there that, that I want to uh, dive into. Uh, what, the, the New York Times articles, I, I figured you were you were going to bring that up. I mean, you were uh, way ahead of the curve on uh, noting the potential impact they'd have, even though, you know, we saw those articles and we sort of, to a certain extent, we like chuckled. Oh, that's, you know, that's silly. That's a that they're making an example of this it's not really well argued whatever but but you sense that they could have far-reaching implications because of how mainstream obviously the new york times is and this is a perfect example like almost certainly this firing doesn't happen at this time last year if it all goes down this way this is um this is the combination of the new york times articles and the approach ohio and massachusetts have taken both within the past year or so and their approach is not a bad approach in a vacuum necessarily to be strict about marketing rules and, and find the hell out of everyone who breaks a rule. But that definitely has led to stuff like this. Someone, some lawyer at Superbook saying, 
we don't want to take any chance of getting fined in one of these states. Let's just fire her and make clear that we are on the side of responsible gambling. Even though responsible gambling has nothing to do with this actual story. And, right. uh, you know, it, it's Harry Levon is, is guilty of bringing RG into the conversation when, in fact, it had nothing to do with what was going on in that second grade classroom. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely the climate has changed and uh, just had this had had this been last year's March Madness and, and she did this even if Harry Levant or someone had had made the same complaint on Twitter and tried to get people's attention. I don't think Superbook would have reacted in, in the same way. I, I tend to agree. And and then there's just sort of the sort of the the, the bigger picture that has somehow gotten connected to this. Um, like I am disappointed, uh, but not surprised that uh, that some have taken this as an opportunity to get political. Um, and and you know I know that both sides do that with a lot of issues. Uh, in this case, the mention of child grooming that's become one of those terms that that gets applied to a lot of things when it shouldn't. And once that term floated into this story, it was all over. You know, of course, people with an agenda were going to point to this and compare it to taking kids to drag shows. And uh, and indeed, the, those takes exist on the Internet now. Um, but aside from that unfortunate negative side effect, it's pretty cool how much pickup this story you got. Um, you, you captured something on that line between a sports betting industry story and a general interest story about humans making ridiculous decisions. And I had friends comment to me about it who normally ignore my gambling related tweets. Uh, they, they responded to this one. They clicked on the story, read it, uh, sent me notes. So I guess what I'm saying is a uh, good job by you, Jeff. Uh, you, you pounced on the story. You talked to Taylor uh, before she stopped talking to anyone. Right. Uh, you did your due diligence and then you got it out there before anyone else. Well, listen, 20 years working for a tabloid newspaper in a capital city, that'll do, you know, I, I my, as soon as I heard about this, my antenna is shot straight up. I'm like, this is, you know, it just, it's one of those stories that like, you, that, you know, I, I, you knew that it was going to like catch, uh, I mean, I knew it was going to catch fire if it got out there just because yeah. it, it, it touches on so many, it touches on, on, on it's children and sports betting and let, you know, listen, I, I, I really don't want to go all the way down this path, but I, I question whether or not if some balding 45-year-old guy went into a second-grade classroom and did the same exact thing Taylor did if they would have been fired for it. That's a that's a good question. Uh, and the balding being a key factor. Whether or not Thank he you. has hair is what determines this, uh, really. Yeah. But, yeah. no, yeah, I'm not sure how much it had to do with who she is and her gender and what she looks like versus just the reaction to anything if people can tie once people tried to tie it to gambling, then it goes to a place that it never should have gone in the first yeah, place. That's true. That's true. Um, and and by the way, I believe Harry Levant uh, in in your follow up story, uh, he talked about how he never meant to get her fired. I, I fully believe that he that he doesn't think she should have been fired and he'd help her get her job back if she wanted it, which, of course, we know she doesn't care. Um, but uh, I believe him. He's guilty of overreacting to a nothing situation and making it about gambling when it wasn't and having whatever questionable attitudes he has toward gambling. But but the fallout for her, I believe that that was an unintended consequence of his wild overreaction. Yeah, I mean, Harry basically, to nutshell, believes that sports betting should be 
treated like opioids, you know, like that's that's the way, you know, it has to be handled like legal, but like definitely very carefully, you know, parceled out. Right. You know, it's not I mean, it's and 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 I got news for you. People are listening to him. Sure. Uh, hopefully not overly influential people, but uh, I guess I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, covered that uh, in a fair amount of depth there. Shall we move on to the next story? Let's move on. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, uh, there's a lot of sort of minor legislative news this week, so uh, we'll round it all up as our second news story. In two states, sports betting bills are progressing toward legalization who knows but they are moving in north carolina a bill for mobile sports betting adjusted slightly from the one that lost by one vote last year passed through the house's committee on commerce tuesday by a 17 to 10 vote and through two more committees wednesday and there's no rush just yet the state's crossover deadline is may 4th and the legislative session runs through august In Missouri, a sports betting bill received a preliminary vote of approval in the House on Monday, then passed the House on Wednesday by a vote of 118 to 35 and moves on to the Senate. Missouri's legislative session ends May 12th. Meanwhile, in Georgia, sports betting legislation is not quite as dead as previously reported, but it's staying alive by being tacked onto a soapbox derby bill, which has served to piss off a lot of legislators in Georgia, leading one of them to say this effort has done damage to sports betting legalization hopes long term. And in Maryland, where sports betting is already legal and available, bills with additional regulations are moving. One would set new rules concerning colleges partnering with sportsbooks, and one that we discussed recently, auditing touts, passed through the Senate on Monday. Jeff, what stands out to you here? Uh, Any takes to offer besides the trademark Edelstein, what are you bums waiting for? Yeah, well, the auditing is kind of silly. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this. We should honestly hire, like, you know, like our own Chris Altruda. We should hire a type like him, you know, someone smarter than me, someone with a lot more patience than me, someone who knows how to use a spreadsheet because no shit, I have no idea how to use one. <laughs> uh, and we should audit them ourselves. Like, that would be a fun little adventure. Like, if we, like, spent, you know, hired someone to spend a year just following every tout around right. and seeing exactly how they do. But, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, you know, this is another case where libertarian Jeff rears his head. Someone wants to pay Vegas Dave for picks. Good for Vegas Dave. You're a schmuck. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? <laughs> right, right. Uh, as for the other stuff, I'm not entirely clear what's going on in Georgia. But, yeah, 100%. I'll bet on Soapbox Derby. Let's let's do it. 
<laughs> I don't know that it had to do with betting on soapbox derby, oh. but that, yeah. That, but listen, that's you are the voice of the people who sort of see a few words in a headline and uh, and and jump to what the story's <laughs> about without reading the story. It's important to get that perspective in there, so we know yeah. what the common man is thinking. Yeah, like ninety-eight percent of America is what we're talking about there. But yeah, <laughs> right. no. Yeah, I mean, again, like there clearly is a faction of the Georgia legislature that is willing to do whatever it takes to get this gambling legislation passed. I mean, it's kind of funny uh, how, it, you know, it's like Keystone Cops-esque what they're doing down there. But uh, maybe maybe this will do it. Who knows? Yeah, I kind of doubt it. Uh, <laughs> at least at least uh, this year, I, I, I doubt it. Um, I, I want to talk about what's going on in Georgia in part because um, – you don't have to tell a veteran poker journalist about the BS that is tacking a bill onto another unrelated bill. This was precisely the ridiculousness that ended the online poker boom in 2006 and led the magazine that I edited all in to go in and out of business repeatedly over the next nine years. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Bill Frist attached the Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act to a must-pass port security bill at the 11th hour most legislators admitted afterward they had no idea they'd even voted for it. And just like that, half the online poker sites stopped taking U.S. customers and the industry was never the same. There are a lot of ways in which our governmental system sucks. Uh, this is one of them. If you want to pass sports betting in Georgia, I think you got to get the legislature to vote for sports betting in Georgia instead of trying to attach it to a soapbox derby bill or replace a soapbox derby bill with it or, or whatever exactly they're doing. Now, I'm sure the legislators who are upset about this are hypocrites who've attached their own legislation to unrelated bills to get them through. So we'll see whether there's actually a meaningful backlash to this in the end. But it's definitely a shady practice. And uh, I'd be shocked if it works to get sports betting legalized this year. Whether it'll have that long-term impact of, of hurting the hopes, I have no idea. But uh, I don't know. This seems like a, a weird Hail Mary to throw. Yeah, but they're trying. And again, once again, to be clear, we'll bet on Soapbox Derby. No problem. <laughs> OK, um, I, I want to touch quickly on the two states where things are looking somewhat positive. Uh, North Carolina, that's a state that people in the know have been optimistic about all year. They remain so, uh, although it's getting bogged down a bit with people trying to pass amendments. Uh, one guy was trying to raise the proposed tax rate from 14 percent to 51%, because if New York can do it, well, why can't we? Uh, but uh, th thankfully, that got voted down. Uh, but here's a passage from uh, Bennett Conlon's coverage Wednesday that uh, you will appreciate, Jeff. He wrote, quote, Representative Pricey Harrison spoke against the bill during Wednesday's House Judicial Committee meeting, voicing concerns related to a New York Times series on sports betting and <laughs> proposing a handful of amendments as well. Each amendment failed. So th thought you'd want to know that. And then uh, as for Missouri... Uh, last year, uh, a bill made it through the House also and then got filibustered in the Senate by Denny Hoskins, who uh, seems like a real piece of work. There, there's still that debate in Missouri over whether to tie sports betting and video lottery terminals together. So Missouri continues to feel like a toss up in terms of whether they legalize this year. But advancing through the House was expected. I don't know that this changes the equation at all. You know, there's an old, I can't remember the book. It might have been Songs from a Distant Earth. I, I really don't remember. It was an Arthur C. Clarke novel okay. and, you know, some far-flung future. And the uh, the is a throwaway paragraph in the middle of the book somewhere. And it basically said that, like, in in this world, in this far-flung world, uh, you know, from dog catcher to president of the galaxy, it was like a random drawing, you know. And, like, you served your time and then somebody else got picked out of the hat. 
And the only people that were prohibited from serving in any capacity, when you were a child, you would take a, a, a test. And uh -huh. if you showed if you showed any affinity, if you showed any talent for being a politician, you were not allowed to be in this pool. Okay. Smart. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 find that far flung future and go to there. <laughs> it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Is it a coincidence that the Final Four this year takes place in Houston, that the Houston Cougars are the number one seed in the Midwest region, and that our guest this week on the podcast is based in Houston? Yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, it is. This is all coincidence. But Micah Bedard happens to be one of the leading college hoops and DFS experts. He's a contributor at Roto Grinders and Scores and Odds, better known to some as Dard Dog. And we are happy to welcome him now to discuss March Madness direct from the Texas town at the center of it all. Micah, thanks for joining us on Gamble On. Yeah, for sure, Eric. Thanks for, for having me on. It's a great time of the year. So always happy to jump on and, and talk some hoops with you guys. Cool. Well, uh, we are going to look forward to the Sweet 16 and everything that's left to come, of course. But first, let's look back at the, the first two rounds. A lot of upsets. Uh, two number one seeds are out. A number 15 is still dancing. What's the biggest shocker to you so far? The, the outcome or trend that you didn't see coming? Well, I can't say that I called Purdue losing to a 16 seed. I did have them losing in the next round, but I did say that they were a matchup nightmare. One bad matchup away um, from losing and they just lost around earlier. Um, but let's go with actually one thing I had to look back when, um, you know, just looking at the first two rounds unders were in the first two rounds. Crazy. I think they only went nine and seven on day one, but on day two of the tournament, they went 14 and two. Mm -hmm. And um, that's usually for me, when I'm looking at NCAA tournament games, you think the whistle's getting blown a little bit more teams that foul a little bit more are also going to go to the free throw line. Um, but I was actually surprised to see when I look back how many unders actually hit in the tournament. And so that's interesting when you're looking at lines um, going into the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, um, how you handicap those going forward. Because I think it is a bit of an anomaly, but something you definitely have to look at because each tournament kind of has its ebbs and flows. So um, unders being a theme the first two days were not something I really expected. Hmm, interesting. And, and you mentioning the, the Purdue upset specifically, you, you probably saw the, the story about uh, professional better Fezzik uh, betting like six yeah. figures on Purdue over Fairleigh Dickinson at like minus 5,000, minus 4,200. Even if it, even if it's not Purdue, a team that you had your questions about just in general, any one seed against a 16, would you ever consider making those sort of bets or, or with laying those odds, it's never worth it in your mind? I just remember um, even my wife, when I started getting into sports betting and we talked about, you know, teams and just how lines work and stuff. And she's like, well, wouldn't you just always bet the team that's supposed to win by a lot of points? And I'm like, it, it's not that simple, you know, and I, I, I actually looked at, um, yeah, Fezzik, I think, went on and was talking about it and he was rationalizing and I did get some of the points he made. But man, like it's just a lot of risk. I mean, and we probably all know, too. I mean, you think it's not risk, but even like you said, a different one versus 16 matchup this is what two times in the last five years, a 16's beaten a one. So like the playing field is so level um, when you're even having these guys compete in the game. So me personally, I, I can't, I can't do that. And um, it's always like, it's like the, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars um, and the chargers earlier this season when that guy laid however oh, X right. amount when they were around 28 to nothing at halftime, like you just don't know what's going to happen in modern day sports. So yeah, definitely not something that, that I'm trying to get into. Right. 
You know, before I get to my question, I just want to go back to something you were saying earlier with the unders. Looking at the spreads heading into this week, do you think that's been taken into account by uh, the books? Or do you think it's, uh, or, you know, where, where do you sit on it? Yeah, a little bit. I've seen a couple lines that I've thought are lower than possible. For instance, perfect example, Arkansas and UConn, two of the highest foul teams in the country. Um, and, and that line is, I think, a couple points lower than I thought it would be. So I definitely think, you know, Vegas is definitely paying attention on what happened in in week one. So it's definitely something to look at. And I think you can get a little bit of an advantage to it because UConn, once again, some of these teams are trending out of what they did during the regular season. And I was big on Iona to start the season because they drew to start the tournament because they drew a lot of fouls. UConn just didn't. So it is probably a couple of points of value, especially in that Arkansas Dame. And I think Creighton and Princeton as well, because Creighton's just a great defensive team. You know, speaking of like this, this, this balance you were talking about, you know, there's been this stat that I keep saying that no, and correct me if I get this wrong, but that no defending champ has advanced past the Sweet 16 in like 15 years. Um, you know, it seems almost mathematically impossible that that's true. But 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 if that, what, what do you think? What do you take that as a sign of? Is it like the kids just maybe coming in, the superstars coming in for a year and ditching? Is it is it competitive balance? Is it better? Uh, you know, are the tournament fathers and mothers getting better? You know, putting these games together. You know, what what do you think it is? Or is it just luck? Yeah, I mean, I think the one and done rule probably has a lot to do with that. I don't know off the top of my head, but it sounds like around 2006 was when they started going to that. And just think about it with last year, right? Kansas wins a national title, but they don't have OK Agbaji anymore. They don't have Christian Braun. Like, they still lost a lot of their team. The transfer portal is just nuts. Like, I know because doing, you know, college basketball projections to start the season, usually, you know, you can put teams in and you're like, okay, well, they have five to seven guys back. I can't tell you at the beginning of the season how many teams are just completely remodeled. You get all these transfers in, you get guys staying for one year. So, yeah, the the playing field, and you saw it with Fairleigh Dickinson, has just, just been totally leveled. A lot of these teams don't have the depth they had because guys who are eight, ten men on the bench are going to a mid-major or going somewhere else to play just because – they just want the playing time. So you see these teams that recycle over and over again. Like I remember those, I was a big fan of those Dukes teams of the early two thousands. I mean, they were there for three, four years, didn't really have many who left. So I think the one and done rules got a lot to do with it. The transfer portals got a lot to do with it as well. And I also think there's just so much more information out there um, that these teams are game planning um, for in the tournament. And you've got a lot more tape on them. Also one thing, the tournament is so much about runs. You, North Carolina made it as a, what, an eight seed last year. So many of these are just, hey, I just really have to get hot for five or six games. And sometimes not the best team does that, but they might get a good matchup, get some good draws. And so that could lead to it too. But I, I kind of love the parody in college basketball because you literally don't know what's going to happen night in and night out. Uh, it makes it a little tougher to make money if you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but and, and I was reading your uh, your pre-tournament uh, predictions on scores, scores and odds, and uh, some of them haven't panned out. But but one that's looking good is you tabbing Creighton as your favorite title long shot. They were 40 to one. They're still in it, about to play Princeton, down to around 10 to 1 now to win the title. Uh, we at U.S. Bets happen to have a, a nice group bet on Creighton that we made pre-tournament as well. So we're, we're rooting for them. How much are you believing in them at this point? Yeah, I mean, they, they have a really good draw. I even thought before you thought they were going to play Princeton that, um, you know, th this is a team I mentioned in my article that early in the season when they got Baylor Shireman, uh, the transfer from South Dakota State, it was one of the biggest transfers of the offseason. You tag that in with Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Kalkbrenner. I think what's really helped this Creighton team is their guards. Ryan Nemhard, Trey Alexander have really started to play well in the tournament. And 
I used to kind of lean towards, hey, best player on the floor in NCAA tournament games, but it's kind of like with Houston as well. This starting five, like everybody can put up 20, 30 points, and they're so spread out. They also play really good defense, and they also don't foul. That's one thing that is definitely they have one of the lowest foul rates in the country. I love teams that are very that have a tight bench um, because if you do have a tight bench, you have to play good defense, and so that's what they do a lot. I like their draw against Princeton, and I you know I do it somehow still have all final four Final Four ticks in my mm. bracket, um, and so them versus Alabama is a great contrast of style, and I think that's probably the matchup we get. So I'm still if Creighton can get past them, I definitely feel really good about them. Kansas State's another team I feel good about as well, who you can still get for like a 40 to one. I think I saw their odds. And I mean, I think that region that they're ends up for grabs too. So both those teams, I think are live, live for the tournament title for sure. It's interesting you bringing up Kansas State because that uh, of all the Sweet 16 matchups, odds wise, that one is really interesting because number seven, Michigan State is a small favorite over number three, Kansas State. That's the only game where the inferior seed is favored. Do you understand the logic behind that line or does that strike you as as just a a really funky line? We should be jumping on Kansas State. It's one of those Vegas line rights that looks too good to be true. And I know one thing about March after, you know, being in the NCAA tournament for however I can remember, you trust Tom Izzo in March. And like, it doesn't matter what team he has. It doesn't matter who his point guard is. He just seems to get this team up time and time again. So I do like Kansas State still. I think the line might be a little bit off, but I could definitely see it going other way. I I definitely think Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson is probably the best story in college basketball this year. So I like Noel. If you have not seen him, he is appointment television, especially he's a little ticked off after John Calipari called him a little guy. So watch out for Marquise Noel and and K-State. And I think that game should be really good. I hate when people call me a little guy. All right, <laughs> let, let's we're gonna get down to brass tacks here. Who 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 was your pre-tourney pick? Is it still the same? And is there value in the number with with whoever it is? Yeah, I don't think there's really much value anymore. But I'm still, uh, I guess I'll be biased, right? I'll, I'll go with Houston. Um, they were my pre-tourney favorite. I still think they're the best team night in and night out. And let me tell you, if Marcus Sasser is only a like seventy percent that he was the other night, watch out if he gets up to ninety and a hundred because. He's definitely got all the tools. This is another team kind of like Creighton, a really strong starting five. Jairus Walker is a great freshman. Jamal Shedd runs the show. Tremont Mark is kind of a fourth option that could put up 25 a night. So I'm still going with Houston. I think it's going to be um, a lead eight matchup probably with them and Texas, which should be great. But I'm still going with Kelvin Sampson. And this team has had to weather the storm. I still think it is preposterous that Kelvin Sampson played Marcus Sasser in the round one, uh, one versus 16. But I think he's got this team healthy. I'm still going with Houston, and I, I think they still pull it out. All right, we start with Houston. We end with Houston. Everybody there you go. Think. <laughs> yeah, hey, full circle. Perfect. Uh, I, I was going to go off on a tangent about how uh, you can't tell over Zoom. Jeff is like six foot three, and nobody I call, would ever call him little guy. But but that would have ruined the perfect circle. So we'll, we'll save that for uh, another time. Uh, thanks so much, Mike. It's been great talking to you. Uh, I'll let everyone know. You can check uh, Micah out on Roto Grinder, Scores and Odds, and on Twitter at Dard Dog. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck with your uh, bets and picks the rest of the way. Yep, Eric Jeff, I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good one. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Let's update our betting bankroll. 
And our post-Oscars stick-to-sports plan is not off to a great start. Uh, We struggled with basketball and XFL bets last week. Most of the losses coming on my end, while uh, you, Jeff, were were mostly delaying our pain with futures bets on the NFL and the NFL draft that may lose down the road. Stay stay tuned for more of that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, all right. Well, they, I guess the good news is uh, they, they won't be losing immediately if they're going to lose. Um, but uh, here's what got graded last week. Um, a few weeks ago, I bet on St. Mary's at plus 850 to make the final four. They lost in the second round. 50 bucks gone. Last week, I took a long shot stab at plus 700 on Kent State to make the Sweet 16. Predictably, that failed and cost us 50 bucks. But I also made a big bet on number one seed Kansas at minus 200 to win two games. And they lost to Arkansas by one in the second round, $200 down the drain. That's what I get for making a boring, chalky minus 200 bet. Uh, I did do okay with Louisiana, not Louisville, Louisiana. Uh, They lost by three to Tennessee. So we lost $30 on the money line bet, but $100 on the spread bet. And last one for me, I bet $100 on a Jokic triple-double at plus 105. He fell one assist short, but I can't really call that a bad beat. That's the deal with Jokic. He's going to go 30-12-12 some nights and 30-10-9 other nights, and he's rarely going to miss by more than one or two rebounds or assists. So uh, anyway, those were my mostly losing bets that got graded. You only had one bet uh, get graded, Jeff. Your Roughnecks Vipers Battlehawks Moneyline Parlay only went one for three, so $50 gone there. So we lost $380 for the week. We're now down by $2,228, almost all the gains of the Edelstein era erased. We also have $840 on Holden Futures bets. So that leaves us with $6,932 available to bet with this week. And you're up first, Jeff. Yeah, I feel like I've been letting us down lately. I mean, I, my, my problem is I really only know like the NFL, like deep in my DNA. So everything right. else, I'm just kind of like firing darts at here. So right. let's try the XFL again, of course. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go big, and I'm probably also going to be going home. Um, <laughs> I'm going to money line parlay the whole slate. Uh, three wow. favorites and the three favorites and the dog. Give me Seattle, St. Louis, Arlington, and Houston as the underdog. So Seattle, St. Louis, Arlington, and Houston mm. plus six fifty, hundred bucks. Come on. <laughs> Uh, who can argue with that logic? Come on. Who, come on. That's my logic. <laughs> Go big or come on. I'm going home. Uh, I, there's no question. I'm going home. You, but you, you are home, Jeff. At, at home shall I stay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going heavy on boxing this week in hopes of breaking out of my mini slump. Um, Showtime pay-per-view from Las Vegas on Saturday night. Really outstanding card top to bottom. I'll get to the undercard with my next batch of bets. Uh, but for starters, the main event. David Benavidez versus Caleb Plant. Excellent clash. Probably the number two and number three super middleweights in the world. The undefeated Benavidez is the favorite. It's a competitive fight. Plant has only one loss to Canelo Alvarez, the number one super middleweight in the world. And this is a fight where almost everyone agrees the most likely outcome is Benavidez to win by late KO. He's, a, he's about a minus 300 favorite to win overall. Uh, the best I saw on him to win by KO period is minus 120. That's not bad, but I, I think it's pretty unlikely the KO comes quickly. Plant is skilled. He's slick. He won't go away early and easily. Canelo stopped him in the 11th. I see Benavidez eventually cranking up his body attack and his pressure and doing something similar. So Benavidez by KO between rounds nine and 12 is as high as plus 260. That's my favorite bet on this fight. So I will take that for $50 to win 130. That's a, that's a better analysis than I gave. Um, 
Should I throw right. on a come, uh, throw in a just to come on at the end? It would be better. Fifty dollars to win one thirty. Come on. Yeah, there you go. Good. Okay. All right. Uh, NFL future. You know, I, I was thinking uh, this bet I'm about to give. I think we could. We might. Can I just? Can one of my bets this week just t- take a thousand dollars and put it in a four and a half percent CD? Is that legal? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, I uh, I'm not sure. What's uh, all right? <laughs> well, let's we'll think let me, about let it. me hear the wager and I'll compare right. the options here. All right, this is a plus nine fifty for a hundred bucks. Uh, Dan Campbell, coach of the year, he's the favorite at plus nine fifty. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, the Lions are favorite to win the division, which is something you, I don't think anyone's ever said in the history of the world. Uh, I think the the NFL writers want to give Campbell the award. Everyone loves Dan Campbell. Uh, so why not? You know, we got 10 months to wait, wait around for this. Come on, you know, a hundred bucks plus nine fifty. I, I, I mean, if the lines, here's the thing. I think if the lines do win the division, I don't see how Campbell doesn't win the, the coach of the year. I, I, you know, I think he's like, I, the, I people want him to win. That's, you know, following right. what I'm saying. So that, yes. that, that, that's my plan. I, I like the logic behind the people want to vote for him, people like him, all, and, and all that. Also, you, you combine a come on with a why not, which is, right. I mean, how can you poke a hole in that? Sure, uh, sure. I, I, my hesitation here would be that I am one of the many people on the Bears bandwagon who thinks they're going to be they're going to be a, a worst to first kind of uh, possible team. So uh, that that's the question is whether the Lions can uh, can hold off. Uh, the, uh, who knows? The Bears could win six games or they could win 12 games. I'm not sure. But um, yeah. the, NFC, the NFC is, as of now, very, very, very wide open. Yes. Every, everyone everyone who was on the bottom has improved. Everyone who was on the top has come back to the to the pack uh, just in terms of the, the talent in the offseason. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty wide open. Uh, you know, it's the like, Eagles. It's the Eagles and everyone else. And like, you know, again, the Eagles, you know, they, they, they walked through raindrops a little bit last year when it came through, you know, for injuries and everything. Right. So, I, yeah, I think, I mean, uh, now I'm, I, I'm a, this, is, this is me starting the process of talking myself into a Lions Super Bowl bet. So oh, jeez. Beware. I don't, I don't know that they, they, they do still have Jared Goff at quarterback, right? Yeah, Goff's good. He's, he's fine. fine. He's fine. He's fine. I don't he's think fine. he's getting you to the Super Bowl, probably. He's fine. But all right, we'll see. Uh, my second bet here, uh, or bets, I should say, uh, coming from the pay-per-view undercard. Uh Three quick ones here. Chris Colbert versus Jose Valenzuela, two young fighters coming off their first loss. Close fight on paper, but I'm a little surprised just how close the odds are. Uh, Colbert, I found him at minus 130, and I think he's a little safer bet to win than that. Uh, I'm keeping all these bets small since I'm making a bunch of them and I need to get my confidence back. So just $65 to win 50 on Colbert. Then a battle of undefeated 22-year-old prospects, Jesus Ramos versus Joey Spencer. I like the small favorite Ramos here, and I like him by decision. That's plus 160, so $50 to win 80 there. And lastly, Jesus Ramos's uncle, Abel Ramos, takes on Cody Crowley. Crowley is rightfully the favorite, but Ramos is a good, dangerous veteran. I thought I'd get like plus 250 or plus 300 on Roma, Ramos, in which case I wouldn't bet it. He's plus 475 at the first site I looked at. Then I looked at another who's 550, and then I found him all the way up at plus 575 at a third site. I don't think he's going to win, but that price is just way too high on a, a very live underdog. So I'm, I'm betting a weird amount here just because I'm anal about ending up with whole dollars. So uh, at plus 575 on Abel Ramos to pull the upset, let's bet $28 to win 161. Come on! Why not? Why not? Come on! Good. That's a good one. <laughs> All right, you, you, you want another long shot future? Sure, okay. I do, uh, yes. 
uh, $50 on this one. Uh, even I'm going to pull back a little bit uh, at plus 1,000. So, uh -huh. you know, it's serious money. Uh -huh. How about Spencer Strider to win the NL Cy Young? Okay. You like it? He's a he's a strikeout machine. He's a cool cat. He's one cool cat. And he's, this, <laughs> pitchers like him, pitchers like him, they have the potential to put one of those like all-time seasons together. So why not this season, I say. So give me Spencer Strider at plus 1,000. To take home the Cy Young, fifty bucks. Yeah, come on, why? <laughs> and you and you threw in a why not in the middle of that. You also had a cool cat in there, which he's a cool the, cat. The, he is the, a cool yeah, cat. the combo of cool cat, why not, and come on. And he, and he, here's the icing on the he, cake for you, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, he's yeah. He, uh, my son and I did an MLB DraftKings best ball draft, and we have Spencer Strider. So oh, it, it all so it's all coming together. Yeah. He's like he's Minshew-esque as well. You know, yes. he's, he's just one of those he's one of these guys, you know. Right. And so I, I feel like he's not going to have that second year come down. And, uh, you know, and he the, the strikeouts. I mean, that's all you know, that. Right. You know, he can't. What do you have? Two oh two and like one hundred thirty one innings last year. That's 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 serious. You know, so give him two hundred innings. Does he strike out three hundred batters? If he does, he's winning the Cy Young. Right. And, and we're and lining our pockets with fake money. And he has a cool name, which like Spencer Spencer yeah. is inherently nerdy. But then you somehow Strider. Spencer Strider, it, the Strider yeah. overcomes the Spencer of it all. Yeah, it's almost as almost as like sharp as Jeff Edelstein. <laughs> You're a cool cat, too, Jeff. Don't let thank anyone you, tell you, you otherwise. Thank you, thank uh, you. So, so I want to end with a March Madness bet. Uh, I've listened to some podcasts. I've heard some ideas. And um, I decided, you know, last week's uh, bet to fade Tennessee was a mixed bag. But uh, but I want to fade him again. Almost everyone seems to agree Florida Atlantic is getting too many points against them. And the money line looks tempting to me also. So we'll do the same as last week, uh, both a spread bet and a money line bet. Uh, FAU is getting five and a half points. So let's go uh, $110 to win 100 there. And they're plus 205 on the money line. So we'll go with $40 to win 82 that they pull the upset. Uh, of course, it, it'll come down to whether FAU is hitting threes. They're a, a great three-point shooting team, according to podcasts. Uh, but Tennessee has a good defense, according to podcasts. So uh, we'll see. But the, the consensus is if they shoot like they're capable of, FAU is a very live dog here. Love it. Right. I, don't even, I don't even think we need to come on. Why not on that one? I think no, it's just a reasonable bet. Well, the, the fact that podcasters said so is is all the come on. Why not that we need? <laughs> all right. That'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Micah Bedard. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere else subscribe come on why not and with that jeff please take us out you know to horribly misquote the late tupac shakur i ain't even mad at you superbook sportsbook you know this is this is the world we're living in right now everyone's running scared and for good reason the most hysterical people in the sports betting world and on the political side are the only ones that anyone's listening to so listen as i said I, i'm writing something i'll have a little bit more on this next week but let me just give a word of warning to the operators out there. Now's not the time to be cute. Put your head down, do your job, get rid of stupid advertising, get rid of stupid gimmicks that seem too good to be true. Just do what you do best, you know, offering us like kind of shitty odds, and we'll do the rest, which mostly consists of, wait for it, Eric, gamble on. <laughs> <laughs>